0: Hello and welcome to SE Tomorrow Today. I am your host, Grayson Brulte. On today's episode, we're absolutely honored to have Raquel Erdison, founder and CEO of Wabi. On today's episode, we discuss Wabi's AI-first approach to autonomy. We hope you enjoy this episode. Raquel, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you. Really appreciate pleasure to be here.
0: Well, really excited to have you here because Wabi's building the future of autonomy and you're doing it through an AI first approach and I have to congratulate you because you're on to something really special there. And to kick things off, I love to know, how did you first become interested in AI?
1: Yeah, so, you know, I was an undergrad where in one of the classes I got exposed to do a, my first research project and it, it was, you know, related to AI. And from that moment, uh, it became very clear that my passion was on, uh, you know, learning more about this and From the perspective of, you know, it was very, very interesting. And at the same time, it was something that potentially had the ability to change the world. And therefore, you know, I started working on this. uh, This is uh, almost 25 years ago. If you
0: weren't exposed to AI as an undergrad, what do you think you'd be doing?
1: I think I would be doing one of two things. Either I will be a a sports person, which I love, or I will be in some other, uh, you know, form of engineering or mathematics, you know, something related to math, which I really love as well.
0: So, you love basketball, you're based in Toronto, an executive for the Toronto Raptors, perhaps?
1: <laughs> Definitely a fan.
0: <laughs> As I mentioned earlier, you're, you're taking this AI-first approach, you founded Wabi, why Wabi, why now? Did you see something in the market that now is the time to go?
1: The way to think about it is, uh, you know, since the DARPA challenge has been, you know, almost two decades, right, and there has been meaningful progress, but when it comes to commercialization, uh, we are really far from having a solution that can be deployed at a scale. Instead, you see you know, very simple operation domains and also very small. Um, and in my, uh, you know, in my opinion, the root cause of this is really the technology uh, that is employed to try to solve this problem. And you know, I believe that there is a need for a new generation, something different. And the best way to build, you know, an innovation of technology is actually to start a fresh a new company. And that's why I founded WAVI a little bit over a year ago.
0: Will that, will your AI first approach, will that allow you to have a larger ODD where you look at the, your individuals operating in the field today, either from the passenger side or from the trucking side, they're operating in very small ODDs because of the mapping and the technology where your technology allow you to have larger ODDs?
1: The way to think about it is that, uh, you know, first of all, as it relates to the you know, brain of the self driving vehicle that basically has to drive it uh, safely, right, from point A to point B, there is a lot of possible things that that self driving vehicle might be exposed to that it needs to react to. And, you know, for current systems, they cannot handle, you know, the diversity and difficulty of all the coronary cases, right? So they have to limit the operation domain to something that is simpler, that is more uh, constrained. Right. and from that to the you know being able to develop um, to, to deploy this you know everywhere you know there is a big step change in terms of the difficulty and the number of scenarios that they need to handle so that's where the technological barrier is is our current approaches you know something that is gonna scale that is gonna be able to uh, generalize to all those situations and you know I don't think so and my experience in the industry has been that uh, you know development is very slow, progress is very slow, and we need something different, something that is rooted in automation that really makes humans really efficient, and makes also solutions to be much more uh, built to scale from day one, and and that's why you know why we exist in the first place.
0: I'm going to put my, my economic hat here on society globally. We're preparing for a pretty bad recession. The development of this technology, as you clearly stated is slow. They're having issues raising capital to continue this. What are your thoughts on the consolidation and will Wabi stand out because you're creating that AI brain that you'll be able to scale fast say, oh wait, the market's now in our favor.
1: Yeah, so I think that you know, consolidation is not always good. And in particular, consolidation is not good when the solution to what you're trying to solve is not there right you you put all your bets on a single direction chances are right for such a difficult problem that maybe you don't get there right so we need to be able to look at this problem with uh, you know bring many different solutions and i think that's you know one of the you know one of the problems of the of the industry now in order to uh, cut through the noise right you need to be able to have a differentiated approach And speaking of the market, so investors really understand that, you know, they've seen the evolution of self-driving, they've seen promises that uh, are not yet there, and it doesn't look like they're going to get there very soon, right? Um, So they understand that it's a need for something else, and they are very excited about what, you know, this next generation that Wabi is providing. And if you look at innovation in self-driving, you know, the thing that really comes to mind is, okay, Wabi is the one, and it's, you know, providing a safer, faster And much more cost effective solution that is built to scale. So that's very, very attractive for potential investors, regardless of how good or bad the market is, you know, today.
0: Is that what your investors are close to ventures? They're very bullish on you. You recently did a podcast with them. They they say, "Okay, Raquel, this is the way forward. You, You cracked it. Is that what kind of drove them to become so bullish on their investment in Wabi?
1: Yeah, so so Kosla, you know, Kosla Ventures, they are big believers into what we are doing. And if you look at you know Sven, uh, who is the partner that we work with, he actually was the lead engineer in uh, you know the Stanford car, right? So he actually understands really well why the current solutions or the hand engineer solutions are not really the way to get there. And uh, you know, for him, you know, seeing Wabi and seeing you know our technological approach. He is, you know, so excited about what we are building, and you know, one of the things, you know, for for those of the audience that um, you know are interested, I absolutely recommend to watch that podcast, and you can really see, you know, how we are marching together, uh, you know, towards that goal of really building building this technology and bringing this technology to market. And it's going to take time, and Cosla Ventures understands that, but uh, uh, but it's definitely going to be there at the scale, and that's you know, very very excited and. For those entrepreneurs or the people that are thinking to be entrepreneurs in in the audience here, um, it's very very important that you choose your investors that are gonna be supportive. It's not just about the money; it's about who is gonna help you build the best company uh, going forward. And KOSLA is, you know, is amazing. it's amazing. Is the I call them the Ferrari of uh, deep tech.
0: KOSLA has an incredible track record. They've made great returns for their LPs, but they care about founders, and that's reputation from multiple founders that I've known that have raised money from Coastal. So I have a lot of respect for what Coastal is doing. For our listeners that are interested in the podcast uh, that Raquel did with Coastal, it is available on on techcrunch.com. And I want to dive into the current solutions, Raquel. You wrote a really eye-opening LinkedIn post on January 31st, 2022. It seems like it it was just the beginning of the year. It seems like a long time. But time flies. And you say the following in that post. First, it's clear to me that AI and automation need to play a more central role. The widely adopted, hand engineered approach to self driving translates into a software stack that requires constant manual tuning and is difficult to develop and maintain. Not to mention it requires very large teams and lots of capital. We need to evolve beyond this method and lean in on AI. Is that is that what you're doing at Wabi?
1: Yeah, exactly. It's, uh, you know, having an AI-first approach to both the brain of this driving vehicle as well as the way that we test it through our simulator, which is the other piece of this, another AI system. So definitely, uh, you know, those, I stand by those words. And, you know, there is AI in uh, these hand-engineering approaches, but AI is utilized to solve a small sub-problems within the complex software stack. And, and, you know, in my opinion, we need to really bring AI to the forefront. We need to really build everything rooted on that automation. And that enable us to think about, uh, you know, a set of software stacks that are more, more, much more exciting, that have much more power to generalize to those rare cases that we were just talking about before, as well as through, you know, different geographies and operation domains.
0: How about on edge cases? So give you an example. So some parts of the country... The crosswalks are marked. Certain parts of the country, they're not marked. Does the AI allow you to kind of learn how different crosswalks are in different, let's say, geographical environments?
1: So the way to think about our AI system is that, you know, through this new generation of algorithms that, you know, proprietary algorithms that we develop at Wabi, uh, which are a combination of deep learning, probabilistic uh, inference, and complex optimization, it enables the system to create uh, intermediate representations that are very good for generalizing to things that it hasn't seen before. So you can actually learn from a small amount of data compared to this thought of AI needs billions of examples in order to be able to do simple tasks. So that's very important in terms of what is the kind of technology um, that uh, goes uh, within our brain. It's not simply applying AI, it's a new generation uh, that precisely uh, has those nice characteristics that are required for self driving. And the other bit that is important is about how do you expose the self driving vehicle, right, the, the brain, to those rare cases? Uh, you know, in the industry, you know, typically, you need to drive millions of miles to kind of understand what your issues are right, in the real world, and that's very expensive, and it's definitely not the safest solution. Right? And it really doesn't scale as if the brain gets better, then you need more and more of those miles, right, at some point billions of miles, to be able to see issues. So instead, you know, through the you know this breakthrough simulator that we have, uh, we can create those rare cases. We can even, you know, have an AI system play against another in order to really understand what are the corner cases or the difficult cases for your brain, not AI general brain. And that's, you know, kind of the next, um, in my opinion, the next generation of what you need to do in order to really be super efficient, effective in understanding your mistakes automatically.
0: The simulator is called Wobby Worlds, and what you described to me first thing goes through my head is a chess match. Are you teaching the vehicles how to play chess three, four moves ahead of what possibly could happen?
1: Yeah, that's a that's a pretty good uh, analogy, I will say. Um, <laughs> and I will say maybe game of Go because self driving is more difficult than chess. Chess, you can do enumeration, right? That's uh, you know, some of the things that we learned with uh, Deep Blue, I guess, uh, a couple of <laughs> decades ago. But for Go, it's not possible, right? So for self driving, you cannot just enumerate. This is why we need you know, more sophisticated technology. But that's a good uh, good analogy is that by experiencing the environment, the simulator, uh, we can learn automatically into how to behave and handle more and more difficult situations.
0: Uh, Wabi World reminds me Wayne's World, Mike Myers, and Dana Carvey. So I like the name. So well done on that. How would you describe it? To a listener, because Wayne's World's a TV show, which was became a movie based on a TV show. Wabi World's a simulator, and then if somebody says, "Oh, simulator," oh, that's SimCity. How would you describe <laughs> Wabi World to a listener?
1: So probably the simplest way to think about it is, uh, you know, it's the most scalable, high fidelity, close loop simulator to ever exist. And by close loop simulator, what it means is that. You can think of it as a difference between watching a video versus a video game right when you are in a video game you react to the world and the world reacts to you right so what we want is a little bit the same is that is think of it as an alternative world that looks like reality where but it's virtual right it lives in the cloud where the self-driving vehicle can you know, clone itself, right, and then do in parallel all these different tests and learn from how it's behaving and doing in all those different tests. And, you know, and this, you know, happens, you know, automatically at the scale. So, you know, we, we like to think about it as the ultimate school for self driving vehicles, right, where the instructor, which is what we will provide scenarios and things that Wabi, uh, the Wabi driver, right, our brain needs to do. And then it learns by, you know, the teacher tells, you know, how well or bad uh, it's doing and this teacher is the AI system, right? And then it learns from that to become better and better and better. And then the teacher can be, you know, very nice and have, you know, simpler scenarios or can be a little bit more naughty and really understand and poke into, oh, you are not doing this well. Let me bring you a scenario where probably you're going to have more difficulty. And that's how automatically we discover mistakes and issues in the software stack.
0: Bringing this back to the real world, okay, so you're 15 years old, 16 years old, you got your learner's permit going, you're going to driving school, let's do a three-point turn, let's learn how to parallel park, and then you can go for your driving test, eventually graduate and get your driver's license. Am I oversimplifying, Mobby or is it is it very similar to how a human would go through learning how to, to drive?
1: I think the analogy actually goes really well here. The difference is that you know, as a human, we have incredible capabilities to generalize. But uh, systems like, you know, a- whether it's AI systems or, you know, just hand-engineered systems, We need to, we cannot just trust them, we need to test that they are actually able to do all those things. Uh, So the kind of exams that uh, they have to pass uh, are much more comprehensive than what humans, uh, you know, we do, where typically you have one hour of exam and that's about it, right? You get your permit. Here is, you know, you have full coverage of what are the sets of scenarios that might happen in the operation domain where you're going to graduate to uh, operate. Right. And then you have, you know, a full uh, suite of tests that, uh, you know, you need to pass and and do the right thing. But it's it's a good analogy. I mean, it's goes it goes pretty well for for what's happening here.
0: What would it be an example of an exam? Is it is it uh, if you're, for example, a truck is coming onto an on ramp, can it properly merge at 55 miles an hour? Is that an example of an exam or, or does it go more in depth than that?
1: Yeah, so, so that would be kind of a scenario type, right? And then you have variations of how those could happen, right? What is the traffic that you're trying to merge to? What is the speed that you're having? What is the appearance, the weather, and the characteristics of uh, the scenario in front of you, right? Because that might fool your perception system. So think about you know all the different things that might happen, and then test all the set of capabilities, not just going on an off-ramp, there is different on-ramps, right? At the same time, there is, you know, you have to be able to, you know, pass vehicles properly, stop if there is a hazard, etc., 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 right? So you have to have, you know, all that uh, comprehensive set of all possible tests that you know, might happen in the world. And it's geography-dependent, right, uh, in the sense that if your OD doesn't have, for example, a traffic light, you don't need to test for your behavior on traffic lights, right? So, so that's why it really depends on where you are operating uh, in the world. Give you an example.
0: It's happen- I don't know the statistic. It's probably a, a NHTSA statistic or state DOT. When tires blow out, if there's a scenario, either the truck tire blows out or a passenger vehicle tire blows out, do you train for those edge cases since they are something that that happens on the roadways?
1: Yeah. So, in general, you know, you need to be able to react. When the behavior of, say, the actors around you is not the canonical behavior, they are doing something that is odd, and whether it is because there is a tie, ty- um, a tire that blew up, or they are sleepy, they are drunk, uh, there is many, many situations that might happen, right? And as part of your test, you need to be able to say that, you know, even in when you know they are acting erratically or differently you still need to be able to, to drive safely. So yes, this is this is part of the comprehensive set of tests that we do within Wally World.
0: Going back to the video games, the PlayStations, they have the little steering wheel that you can do. Do you have employees that just do the stupidest, craziest things <laughs> and you import and say, this is what a crazy person would do and you kind of learn from that? Or is it a pre-existing data set? Where do you get the, it's called bad driving behavior
1: data from? Yeah, yeah. So we, we we don't necessarily have the uh, you know employees playing video games. Uh, uh, although after if they're listening to this podcast, maybe this is the next thing they're gonna ask. Um, <laughs> but but um, you know, think about it as it's a combination of learning from good drivers, right? From real drivers that you know can you know we can learn utilizing real data, as well as learning by acting, right? Meaning that you act, you do something, and we have the teacher, which is an AI system, can grade you, right? And, you know, here you have done something wrong. You should have maybe decelerate and go behind this vehicle. It will have been more safe. Or you should be, uh, you should, uh, you know, have a bigger distance, right? Because you're you're driving, you know, too close. Uh, maybe and perhaps, you know, if something happened, that might result in a not-so-safe situation. Or maybe you are weaving, right? And that's not a great, uh, you know, comfort, uh, you know, as a, you're... Uh, drive, uh, driving around the the road, etc. So there is like many, I guess, uh, nuisance criteria, right? That uh, the teacher uses in order to tell our software stack what is doing well versus not. And from that, then it learns to kind of maximize the score that the teacher tells uh, you know how well he's done, he or she is. You know.
0: Look at learning scenario so you have. Truck A, that's that's in Wabi world, and you have truck B. So truck A has the traditional uh, hardware stack, and then truck B, you modify it. Do you run that truck with a new modified sensor layout through the system as well? And say, okay, do you kind of compare them to try and learn the optimal way to how to configure the hardware on the vehicle?
1: I think it's maybe useful to give um, for context to the audience you know, how typically hardware and software work, you know, in in cell driving, and then I I can answer your question. So if you look at, um, you know, typically the iteration is that the hardware team goes on a silo and develops a new generation of, you know, hardware platform including new sensor configuration, then they build it, then they drop it in the real world and say, software team, now go take this, and then make it to work with the software and then validate Right, so, and then the software team comes back into, oops, maybe, you know, we should have done this differently. I can see issues in this type of scenarios or things. Right, and then you continue iterating this. And every one of these iterations is typically a year, year and a half, two years. Right, so this is very, very costly. This is not the best way to to develop. In our simulator, and I, the audience is interested, you can see videos of what I'm gonna say in um, in our blog. Uh, We can, you know, test software, uh, sorry, hardware configurations before they ever exist. You can modify the sensors in that simulator, where they are placed, how they are seeing the scene, and then simulate at a scale and train the software stack as if that was their sensors, right, their eyes and ears, etc., and then test, you know, and give you a report of how well will that system actually behave in the real world in a way that is very realistic, that really correlates with the real world. And then we can optimize for that placement and the sensors such that we we are as optimal as possible in how well it will behave. So what happens with this is that now software and hardware are together in this development cycle in the simulator, before you build anything. So by the time you, you decide which one is the optimal one, then you actually just build it and you need very small validation. So this means that you can actually do these iterations of hardware and software super, super fast compared to the year and a half or two years that you typically see in the industry. And this is you know really a big piece, very important for how fast uh, we can develop uh, this technology and why uh, you know, our simulator can really enable many, many things uh, beyond what you see out there.
0: It's a game-changing approach because if you look at the current economic environment, you're, a lot, you're able to move faster and, and just from what I gather, I have never seen your financials, it seems more economically efficient than having to go through the, the iteration processes from a labor and hardware perspective.
1: That's right, that's right. And also you know you don't need the large fleets to validate that uh, other companies need and all those millions of miles in the road that are actually you know, extremely uh, cost uh, inefficient. right? So yes, it's a much faster approach. You can also develop this with many, you know, with a much smaller team and, you know, in a much safer way because, you know, everything is tested on the simulator and then you you need to validate with a much smaller number of miles. So we're really inverting, you know, the pyramid of development uh, right now in the industry.
0: You're taking the lean approach. Toyota is very famous for the lean manufacturer. You're taking what's called a lean development approach. Do you feel that that's one of your company's advantages, strategic advantages, for that AI-first approach of, of being lean and being—I'll use the word—you're you're, as a CEO, you're, you're doing a really good job of cost management.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So definitely, this is one of our—I will say—our advantages. So you know, we are much more lean. Also, we are faster, and from the perspective of the developer, is much less frustrating. Uh, typically the, the, you know if you talk to uh, any engineer in the industry that's the first thing that they say is like it's so slow to make a change it's so slow to <laughs> see uh, you know whether what I'm doing actually is going to have an impact versus not you know it's so hard to understand what is the next step that I need to do by bringing automation all that uh, you know you know through your tooling all that is is resolved right so it's also much more exciting to be you know within uh, within this process but Faster, safer, cheaper. That's what Wabi provides,
0: yes. It's the, it's the right decision for the economic environment, but it's the right decision for your company. And, and Vivian Sun, who's on your team, is a, is, a, is a wonderful person. and She speaks the world of you and what you're developing at Wabi. So Vivian, thanks for turning me on to Wabi. You're an incredible mm-hmm. individual. In the future, do you think that more companies will take this AI-first approach to autonomy?
1: Yeah, yeah, and maybe a comment about Vivian, who is our chief commercial officer. Vivian's an amazing powerhouse female leader, so I'm so you know glad and happy to to have her in the team. So I think I think so. I think absolutely. Um, the I think it's very very exciting, and you know approach both together. The approach to the brain as well as the simulator. This will work very nicely in terms of other applications of autonomy. From you know warehouse robotics to drones to uh, last mile delivery to passenger cars, uh, robot taxis, you name it, I, you know definitely could be extend to to those use cases. And I think we will see more attempts to this. Wabi is doing self-driving trucks, and uh, you know uh, tackling the logistic problem, which uh, you know we all suffer <laughs> suffer from these days, right? It's definitely on top of mind for everybody. And you know, one day in the future, we you know, once we we solve logistics, I guess we will go to other, uh, other use cases. But yeah, I will, I will definitely. I think there will be more, uh, uh, more approaches so or more companies that will try to do this in the next couple of years. Yeah.
0: It's really interesting. So you look at trucks and during the pandemic, oh, was trucks with, with e-commerce it was booming, but actually e-commerce is, is slowing down now. Retail in person is starting to pick up tremendously. We saw it in, in the Costco numbers. And the trucks go to Costco. They're bringing pallets of all sorts of interesting things to Costco. Why trucks first? What did you see in the market? Was it the, the economic opportunity? Was it the growth opportunity? What did you see? Say, okay, we're going to focus on trucks first.
1: There's a couple of reasons for this. First is you need to go to a business where there is an absolute need for the technology that you're bringing right? And it's clear that I think by now everybody will agree that uh, the supply chain uh, is actually broken, and that uh, we need a solution that will will enable us to really move loads, uh, you know, across uh, you know cross country or across the country, uh, you know, in a much better way, right? So and there is a chronic shortage of drivers, and this is getting worse and worse, you know, as time passes, right? So automation, you, you know, a couple of years ago, my you know my thing was uh, nice to have now is like cure from cancer, right, is you absolutely need this for, uh, for logistics. Um, the other side of the coin is that when you think about the operation domain, the difficulty of the task, right, so self-driving trucks are going to drive mostly on highways, where it's easier to drive than, you know, robot taxis in cities. Where, for example, the task of picking up a passenger is not, subvi- it's not obvious uh, to me how you're going to do this because, you know, most of the times people do this uh, by parking illegally. And that's not something you're going to enable your driving vehicles to do, right? So there is a whole bunch of, you know, issues already on, on that, you know, one, one little piece, right? So, you know, simpler, I will say, in terms of the technology perspective, very clear use case and the economics just work really, really nice right where you know a truck is, is also you know typically a truck is a quarter of a million dollars so you can have a sensor configuration that you know uh, might be uh, a little bit more expensive right but you know with a little bit of utilization right since you're going to have be able to utilize it 22 23 24 hours a day you know yes they work really really nice the economics right so so all together makes a clear use case in my opinion for uh, for trucks plus i love trucks uh, in the first place
0: Trucks are cool. You're not going to have truck, uh, cars on the highway are not going to double park. I mean, you might get a, if you're in LA, you're going to get a traffic jam, but they're not going to double park there and, and move it in and out of buildings. You love trucks. I love trucks. My grandfather had a CB radio, and we played the CB radio game, which was kind of fun. And then we heard some vulgar language, and we got our CB radio taken away. But the one thing we didn't get taken was the honk game. When you go honk, honk with the arm, will you eventually teach your trucks how to play the honk game? Because as a kid, I love the honk game. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's an interesting question um, let's see what the regulators think uh, that they should be the, the answer to that question <laughs> but definitely you could you could do things like this yes <laughs> it
0: would be great you, you, you can en- encourage children to, be, to, to grow up and, and develop new technologies because they're able to play the honk game with an autonomous truck it's good for society <laughs> it, it makes a long road tr- trip that's boring fun when Trucks go hundreds of miles, thousands of miles from coast to coast. How do you create Wobby world where you're going to operate that? Do you drive a car from coast to coast and build the world around that? Or, or how do you go about creating Wobby worlds since trucks go on long stretches of, of road?
1: Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I think one thing that is important is that you don't need to recreate the entire world in order to be able to drive in the world everywhere, right? you need to be able to have, you know, the diversity of the things that might happen on those uh, different geographies, right, within your simulator, right? But that doesn't mean that every single mile has to be part of your test. Otherwise, you know, your computation will be unbounded as you go, you know, uh, uh, bigger and bigger, right? So, but if you wanted to, the way that you will do it with Wabi World is that you need to drive once, and then automatically that becomes part of the simulation. And that doesn't need to be a truck, you can drive with a car or any other platform that has cameras and laser. That's the only constraint. And given this, we can simulate anything that you have seen, every actor, and then place them to do all different things that never happened in the world. Right. So that's a super scalable solution, right? That uh, is definitely beyond what you typically see in the industries that humans, artists, create every asset, right? And then there is a little bit of automation to create some scenarios from that. For us, is just through AI. Uh, we can, you know, digital twin everything you have ever seen.
0: You're building the Unreal Engine. That's that's a video game, game term that, that, that Epic Games built. Is that really what you're building? You're building a high-end video game that's alive?
1: I think one way to think about it is like the Unreal Engine on steroids for self-driving. So it's you know it's a good analogy, but uh, it, the technology behind it is very very different from uh, I would say the, uh, what the Unreal Engine actually utilizes. But it's something where you need to simulate or be able to create all possible scenarios that might happen. You need to be able to score those scenarios in a way that really tells you whether you're doing the right thing, and that's actually pretty difficult, right? It's not just don't crash, right? It's, uh, you know, driving is much more nuisance than that. You need to be able in real time to simulate how the sensors will have observed the scene, whether it is cameras, lidar, etc. And uh, you need to be able, as I mentioned before, to play adversaries so that you understand the you know the potential mistakes uh, quickly of what uh, your software stack might fail, right? So there is a lot more functionalities and things that you will see in an Unreal Engine, and we don't use Unreal Engine. It's, a, you know, it's, a, it's a, something very different. But you know, I would say it's a good analogy for those that. Have seen maybe uh, some videos or have
0: played with them I like I like video games. I think you're you're picking up on that. How how often is is Wabi World updated? Is it when you run different sc- scenarios through Wabi World, or how does the how does the updating work?
1: Yeah. So Wabi World can continuously generate new things. So depends what you mean by update. So so you know creates an unbounded number of scenarios. So in that sense, it can be updated you know and in parallel you know all the time. In terms of Create, you know, adding new um, maybe actors or things that look uh, or part of the environment in 3D, then you can, every every time that you drive one of these platforms right on the real world, everything can be imported in the simulator, right? So that's, you know, it can be as big as, you know, you want to, right? But what is important is that you don't want to also, you know, grow to scale and then have everything, right? Because then... You know, you will be uh, just doing computation and computation all the time, right? It's very important that you're, you also have the smarts into what should I run when. And this is where the other piece of automation is very, very important. Versus have humans decide, should I include this versus not? Well, humans don't really necessarily understand. But through AI, we can understand what is the best kind of combination of things that we should add. Where do we have something missing in our coverage? Then let's add that, uh, et cetera. And that's the way that we continue uh, to uh, things to the simulator.
0: From an environmental perspective, can you add rain, hail, wind different weather elements in there as well?
1: Yeah, so so I can talk a little bit maybe uh, of how the actual sensor simulation works. So typically traditionally in in the industry, uh, it will be a physics based simulator where you know you run these complex uh, simulations. And if you want it to be very realistic, typically it's very computationally expensive. And also it requires you to know everything about the environment, the material properties, the the light environment, and all sorts of things that is actually really, really hard to estimate in the first place. Typically it's impossible to do that. So for our approach, we use a combination of AI and physics, where physics here is going to be a simplified physics that is easier, faster. And then AI makes that simulation to be much more realistic. And this enables us to be uh, super fast and simulate complex things. Uh, like illumination you were, you were mentioning before is one example. So it's a very different way to do to do simulation compared to what will see it did.
0: I'm going to put on my random pop culture hat, but this reminds me of the early founding days of Lucas and Film. Uh, when they started doing all these different techniques, the techniques for sound, the techniques on how to shoot it, how to build... Digital digital graphics up at Skywalker Ranch. It sounds like that's what that's what you're building. You're building the next generation of Lucas and film.
1: <laughs> I I don't know about that, but uh, sounds good what you're saying.
0: <laughs> Lucas George Lucas Star Wars. So there you go. So <laughs> you're taking us to a planet, planet far far away. You have this great background in AI. AI is, is a hot topic. You turn on the news, you hear AI. You hear it in, in, in the stock market. What are your thoughts on the future of AI?
1: Yeah, I think the future is very exciting and bright. I think that but for it to happen is not with the AI that we have today that we're going to solve all the problems of the future. There is a lot of you know, new AI that needs to be developed to tackle some of the complex problems. And then we need to responsibly develop and deploy those AI systems in the world. But... You know, for me, I think it's very, extremely exciting. We have just touched, the, uh, you know, the, I would say what AI can really do for us. And, and, yeah, I look forward to see that future because, yeah, as I said, there is so many things where AI can really, uh, can really help humans.
0: Are we, are, we, are we merely at the uh, tip-off of the, the first quarter using a basketball analogy? Or how, where would you, using a basketball game, how would you <laughs> say we are in the AI calendar?
1: Yeah, I I will say that is it's hard to say, but there is uh, whether it's you know first quarter or so the second quarter, probably it's the first definitely the first half, uh, and there is you know many many things that still still to come, both from the technology itself, right, as well as from the use case into it can transform every single industry, and we only are starting to see you know small little pieces here. The the one thing that I think is interesting also to make the analogy to to cell driving is that, you know, oftentimes, you know, or people in cell driving think that AI is there and if you use it, current techniques, then you will be able to solve cell driving. But that's not the case. You need these new generations, new, new new algorithms that really go beyond, that are built to scale, that are really bringing a totally different view of, you know, this traditional problem that we've been trying to solve for two decades, right? So that's the kind of thing that we need in more industries. and. Um, I think there's you know, there some amazing innovators out there that uh, will be able to bring this, for example, to medicine, right? where I think is, we will all argue that it's one of the you know, most important bits uh, right now. Uh, yeah. I,
0: w- I would summarize it this way. AI will have an extremely positive impact on society. Uh, putting this conversation in, into context and, and diving back to self-driving, what is the future of Wabi?
1: Yeah, I think the future web is extremely exciting, uh, you know, like, uh, you know, we talk about the simulator that we have seen, but I can't wait to see all our trucks driving on the road at a scale, everywhere bringing, uh, you know, uh, removing the problem of uh, supply chain. So that's, uh, you know, the future for me, and I, that's just the beginning. There is so many more things, and, you know, cell driving for me personally has been an obsession uh, for, for the past more than 10 years. And, uh, and particularly safety as well. I think uh, if you look at uh, uh, Nitsa, they just released, you know, the I think it was two, two days ago, you know, the crash report uh, where it's been the worst since 1975 uh, in terms of you know deaths in the US with 43,000, right? And I guess you know I can't wait to see safer roads and um, and I hope that you know uh, definitely what we will have a a you know, big contribution to increase safety in
0: our roads. autonomy will make our roads safer wabi and your uh peers in the self-driving trucking industry will help unclog the supply chain which will have a positive impact on this big bad monster called inflation and and drive it down raquel and as we look to wrap up this super insightful conversation what would you like our listeners to take away with them today
1: Yeah, I think that, you know, cell driving is, you know, one of the most exciting problems of our generation, and it's going to happen. Like I promised you, it's going to happen, and it's going to happen, you know, relatively soon, right? And I think that what we just need is different technology. And yes, uh, you know, for those that are excited about AI, there is, you know, an incredible young generation out there, particularly women. You know, we are waiting for your collective brain to solve this problem, so... Come join us. The future is extremely bright and exciting.
0: The future is extremely bright. It is going to happen. We will have self-driving because today is tomorrow, tomorrow is today, and the future is Wabi. Raquel, thank you so much for coming on SAE Tomorrow Today.
1: Thank you. My pleasure.
0: Thank you for listening to SAE Tomorrow Today. If you've enjoyed this episode and would like to hear more, please kindly rate, review, and let us know what topics you'd like for us to explore next. Be sure to join us next week as we speak with the founder of the Barnes Global Advisors about how companies can decrease production costs and reduce energy consumption through additive manufacturing. SAE International makes no representations as to the accuracy of the information presented in this podcast. The information and opinions are for general information only. SAE International does not endorse, approve, recommend, or certify any information, product, process, service, or organization presented or mentioned in this podcast.